Also, I am drinking, by the way. A drink drink or like tea? No, no, no. Like drink drink. I have Disarono and orange juice. Oh, you should have you told me. I would have not teed it up. I would have teed it up instead. <laughs> no, it's 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 more of a spur of the moment thing. I forgot I had Disarono in my freezer. Spur, yeah. So. Oh, well. It works. Yeah, it works for me. And it's been, it's been a busy week. It's been a long week. Even to the extent that I took a nap before the the, the podcast today because I was just I was just out of it, man. Oh, you will be on farm. Get a little nap to wake the brain up so we can talk about important things. <laughs> exactly. Like how Inverness Callie Thistle just had a bomb scare. <laughs> they did. <laughs> I think they found some. I want to say some sort of like unexploded bomb on a beach. Something cool like that. It, something cool like that. It sounds like someone tried to bomb the stadium, but in real life, it was just unexploded ordinance that that has now been exploded. Yeah, it's it's also unconnected to the IRA who actually did try and send a bomb over to Scotland yeah, yeah. on Brexit yeah, Day we last got, week. Yeah, they tried to they tried to make Brexit a day to remember. <laughs> yes, indeed. Which, by the way, was the last thing we remembered to put into the run order. Oh, it is. We totally forgot about that. Forgot Brexit even happened. Mine. All right. Should <laughs> we, we add it that? It was such a momentous day. I have it's right at the bottom. Okay. Brexit colon occurred. Brexit happened. <laughs> there is, to be fair, there are things we can talk about that. There's one in particular, but I'm I'm going to keep my powder dry <laughs> until we get to that point. Probably one of the least memorable days that has had the most amount of headlines. Do you know what was really funny? Was first of all, I mean, it's very easy to laugh at these people, and we we shouldn't laugh all the time, but we should laugh some of the time. Is the people who are having Brexit Day parties? I know, right? Dressing up in Union Jacks and saying, "This is the this is the best day. We got our country back." And the Sky News reporter, clearly a Remainer, <laughs> was asking, "So, so tell me, how is your life going to change?" And the woman would be like, "Oh, you know, it's just great. We've got our country back." And he was like, "No, no, but seriously, how is your day to day life going to get better?" And she's like, "Oh, you know, it's 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 just great." To, to, you know... I find the silver lining for all of the people who have been awakened to the dire thing that is going sovereign with the Tory party in charge uh-huh. uh, is that now when Britain and or Scotland inevitably goes hyper-socialist in response to this, because we're all fed up of it, mm-hmm. everybody under like 55 is fed up of all this, uh, the EU can't sue us for it. What? Because they don't have... So currently the EU's got certain rules uh, like about protecting corporations, basically, right. okay. because the EU's hyper-capitalist. So now, if we go super socialist and we don't want to be capitalists anymore, the EU can't sue us. All they can do is whap us with massive tariffs. Hey! Yay! It's a slightly less effective thing than going to court. Love being whapped with tariffs. It's my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> James, what's, uh, what's been happening? I feel we're, we're getting into the new side. We've not even started yet. Oh, we did do the new side there. That was nice. Uh, not not a lot. I'm ready to be sweating by the end of this because I've got cat on lap, tea in hand, blanket on shoulders. So even though I'm cold right now, that a haiku? I'm pretty sure... Huh? Was that a haiku? Cat on lap, huh? tea in hand, something else. It's some, it's, I don't think it's quite a haiku since it didn't have the right like syllables per line thing <laughs> okay. and the right shift of tone. While making it poetic at the end, but I will allow it. It was a nice poem anyway. I enjoyed it. It was a good little triplet of things. A short story by James. There we go. Uh, so what I'm doing is I'm writing new short stories like that one <laughs> and <laughs> testing them out live on the pre-recorded podcast. <laughs> Drink in hand, Nutella on face, feeling good. That's, like that's my one. Schmeared all over. Schmeared. <laughs> we got 100% Nutella coverage. It's, it's also because I was like, coming home, I've been working in Perth this week, Perth and Girls Council. 
uh, Holla. They've been great, by the way. Big shout out to, to P&K, PKC, PKC Loyal, PKC. I bet they do a good job with their bins. What? So they're a great job. Great job with their bins. Wow. Love a bin job. Can't believe it. Okay. Let's let's cue the theme music at this point. <laughs> you never you mean you've never had a bin job before? <laughs> Uh, I never even thought about having a binge up before. Now that I'm having to think about it, I still don't know what it means. It's <laughs> oh, Operate episode 192. I'm Colin and he One of is the final James. Ep- numbered episodes ever. The what? We're, ne- we're, not- we're going to start numbering them. It's the one promise that we can actually keep. It's just to stop giving these episodes numbers. No, but we say we do that once we get to 200, which is season two. Exactly. So this is one of the final numbered episodes. Right. Okay. We still have another there you go. seven to go, but 192 anyway. This is the professionalism and smoothness that you've come to love the podcast for. James, how are you? Doing good. That's about it. Nice. I've-, I've had a pretty normal work week. I've worked on my own projects. It's been productive. I've relaxed as well because it's important to relax and everything's okay. How about you, Colin? I'm too good, yeah. As I was uh, saying there before, I was rudely interrupted by my own terrible jokes. I've been with Perth and Kinross Council this week, and I've had a blast. Everyone's been really nice. Everyone's been great. And uh, we were discussing the fact that everyone hates the big bad council, but when it becomes like, oh, here's Joe. He's 60. He's a bin man. He works for the council. Then everyone loves the council, because now they're a person. Yeah. And uh, talking to them about getting more of those personalities out there. Yeah. It's been really fun. People don't realise how many things councils have to take care of. And then councils keep getting their funding taken more and more away because of the government. It's real fun. Yeah, well, exactly. They're 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 doing a, a really good work out there. What's uh, their office snack situation, though? That's the real question. Are they wasting Perth? <laughs> the people of Perth's tax money is on, like, frivolous snacking. <laughs> well, you could say, James, they're wasting the... The money of the Barton and Ross <laughs> residents' money <laughs> on frivolous gone. media trading from from uh, Pink Elephant Communications, uh, who you can find online. Uh, of course, I would never, I would never say that. No, no, you could say it. You, but you, you could, but I wouldn't because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's what it's why I have a job. It's why I am employed. To answer your question, yes, I am doing very well. This is Cease Operate. For those of you listening for the very first time, uh, I trust. It will be the first of many. Cease Operate is... Yeah, don't go back to listen to previous episodes. They're irrelevant. (laughs) Exactly. They're irrelevant two days after recording. Um, Maybe a week. Unless it's got a good title, in which case people just continue to click on it. That Madonna one will just forever follow us. And then people experience that irrelevance. Or they remember the story and they go, oh yeah, that happened. I've also found a a dark chocolate in my pocket from a restaurant in Perth, which I went to on Wednesday. Are you a dark chocolate person? Or are you saving this to give to someone that you know likes dark chocolate? No, it was a a post-Indian pay the bill, have a chocolate moment. Ah, right. Cleanse the palate before you walk down the street. Yeah, I love those moments. Uh, so it was uh, one of those, and I've just found it, and I'm going to eat it now, before we make a start. But just to let I- you know, everybody, Seesaw Parade, uh, Scotland's least dull podcast, the podcast that happens. Thank you very much for being here. It's very much appreciated. It is very much appreciated. Uh, uh, thank you as well to people who got in touch. Uh, Murray Wilson is one of them. We were talking about The Witcher last week, before we get into uh, to this week's show. 
He said it took me four episodes just to figure out what on earth yeah. was going on in The Witcher, which yeah. for an eight-episode run isn't ideal. Saying that, yeah. I really enjoyed it, but it will definitely need a rewatch to fully appreciate everything that happened and how it's all linked. What would you say to that, James? You're the one who watched it. I reckon that, uh, as a summary, makes complete sense. Good. I agree. Excellent. I can tell you this dark chocolate. Ah, give me milky buttons any day. I'll take a dark chocolate. Dark chocolate is the best kind of chocolate. Good for your health, good for your wealth. <laughs> Why? Because you eat less of it in one sitting. That's a very good point. Okay, after editing that gap out, let's move on to President Donald Trump, who, in the biggest news of the week, uh, across the world, has been found not guilty <laughs> in... The most shocking news of the, of the new decade. Oh, absolutely. Found not guilty in his impeachment trial, ending the bid to remove him from the White House. The Senate... The first bid. Yeah. This, well, let's not count our chickens before the hatch, James. I'm, I'm pretty confident he's stuck in there for the next four years. He's, yeah, for any Let, he's, We're, he's we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's again. talk about this first. Yeah, all right, all right. The Senate, which of course is run by the president's fellow Republicans, uh, voted to acquit him 52-48 on charges of abuse of power and 53-47 yeah. on obstruction of Congress. This was all about... Pressurizing Ukraine to smear. Was it the other way around with the numbers? I thought. I thought obstruction of Congress got less. Regardless, they they won both, and uh, yeah, it was all about uh, pressurizing Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden, and he'll now become the yeah. first impeached president to seek re-election. James, yeah. this saga has run and run. We're finally at the end. Uh, summarize this situation for me, will you? Well, so as far as obstructing congress and stuff goes we're talking like on the build-up to to the acquittal we got trump telling us that he very proudly that he actually has been withholding evidence and i'm pretty sure withholding evidence is obstruction but senate didn't think so because the senate has no backbone except yep. the few there was like was there a few or was it just romney that that voted M to impeach. There were a couple Republicans who had... I think there was a couple of expected ones. Yeah. There was that Republican that quit the party a while back, and then Romney, the surprise sweetheart, came out America's to disavow Trump and say he should be removed from office mm -hmm. in, a, in his in his own build-up to his own rerunning for president, I am sure. To be fair, I find Mitt Romney uh, very unusual because he really, if he wants to improve his own election chances, he really should be standing with the Republicans, shouldn't he? But, well, regardless, we welcome well, you. Well, I think he's going to He's hoping that it's going to come down to people being like, well, Trump was bad. Trump really was bad. Why didn't the Republicans stand up? And he's, he'll be like, look, I did that one. I did stand up. I'm good. And he's a, he's a decent guy sometimes. Like the smear campaigns against him have been pretty bad. But, you know, he's a Republican, so he can't be too too great. Right. You know, because he allows private wealth to inflate indefinitely. Okay. Anywho's, um. It's basically no surprise. The the Republicans within Senate and McConnell, who leads them, uh, have been promising acquittal since day one. They were blocking witnesses while saying that it's a sham trial because you haven't had witnesses. It, it, they made it a sham trial and then just gave acquittal for free. Trump's very proud of it. I expect he will still... Um, either during his presidency or after his presidency, go down pretty hard, but well, not this time. Right. Well, see, this is where I'm beginning to disagree because I think the American society, as we're seeing, is increasingly fractured along uh, partisan lines. 
and the impeachment or the lack thereof is just going to bolster Trump's chances of re-election because they can paint that as, oh, here's Washington, corrupt Washington, the establishment, always out to get him. And that's look, what they're going for. He's absolutely fine. He's been exonerated when that's yeah. that's not the case. But it's it's just about how it lands because they're either going to sell that message or they're going to accidentally sell the message that they are the corrupt people and they're going to lose their votes, which in some specific instances is looking like the people that are in Senate are going to be losing their seats. So even if Trump won, they might lose enough Senate seats that the next Senate is actually an honest, good one, and then we'll get rid of them. Even if it's like new Republicans that have a backbone and want to stand up against the GOP. But see, this is the this is the issue, because the Democrats portray Republicans as the worst of the worst, and Republicans are calling them the do-nothing Democrats who are off the devil. And it means that nothing productive is done whatsoever. And we've spent all this time with the impeachment, and now the election's here. Yeah, the election's coming. We're still working our way through the primaries for the Democrats, and that's been embarrassing for them, because Sanders is kind of winning, but the whole establishment is trying to make him look like he's losing. They're trying really hard to make it look like he's losing. So there's embarrassment on all sides for sure, but I think there's a difference um, between the Democratic embarrassment, wherein they already have some people in each um, area of government yeah. that are actually doing good stuff. And the Republican side of it, where um, the only people that have done good stuff have had to literally quit the party to continue doing that stuff. And Romney is now being like shot down on Twitter by mm-hmm. Trump Jr. and by Trump and stuff like that. So he'll probably have to quit the party as well. So you got to look at it. The Democrats, we can say, if we want to estimate it, really high estimate, they've got it. 90% people are just corrupt and doing nothing. For the Republicans, it's 100%. Okay. Or so it seems. Let's move on. To, uh, the uh, time is ticking away. We've got lots to get through. Let's bring this closer to home and talk about the big yes, news. Bernie for president. <laughs> big news in Scotland this week, which is about the former finance secretary, Derek Mackay. Now, The Sun revealed on Thursday that Derek Mackay, 42-year-old, uh, had been bombarding a 16-year-old boy with messages yeah. on social media. 270 in particular. Quite a, quite a few messages, yeah. And even though he was told that he was in school and that he was 16, the messages... Uh, shouldn't try anything. ...continued. Yeah. Um, and this was only... This is up until the weekend. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, and when he was being ignored, oh, he was pestering him with, like, another wave or a hi. Hey, hey, how? Yeah, yeah, this yeah. This was then revealed, and he... With hours to go until the Scottish government budget uh, resigned and was suspended by the SMB. This is a, I mean, his career is over. That's it. He's done. Well, yeah, hopefully it's just over. Like, uh, what would you? I mean, it's, I've kind of said it all there. Well, yeah, yeah. Anything else you would add to this? Well, he, he. It's not just the fact that he was doing it because some people do that kind of thing and then they claim innocence, but he was doing it. In such a way that it's very obvious he knew that what he was doing was really creepy. He called him. He called him really cute at one point. Yeah, is 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 our conversation just between us? <laughs> yeah, and, and like now it's coming out that this isn't the first person he's been harassing, and this it's happened previously, and it's happened to some guy who was in a happy marriage and stuff like that, who was getting asked for indecent pictures and things. So it's just this like constant outpouring of creepiness from one guy hopefully is the end of a career or like especially in public office but 
it just seems that with political parties, it's always the creeps that rise to the top. Here's the issue I now have, and uh, it's with the Scottish government's behaviour. Oh man, they were trying to like quash this. Yeah, so on the day before the sun, or the hours before the sun went to print, they went to the Scottish government for comment, which is absolutely what you do. Mm-hmm. The Scottish government uh, demanded to know the full evidence, including the 16-year-old boy's name, uh, and asked what was the justification for the intrusion into Derek Mackay's private life. Yeah, no, sure. This is all about Derek's private life. It's not It's not like there was two parties involved in this and the other one wanted to end the harassment or something. It is also the fact that this is the 42-year-old finance secretary for the Scottish government bombarding a 16-year-old boy with text messages. It's beyond levels of inappropriate. It's terrible behavior. Yeah, no, they, should have, they, they shouldn't have been asking questions as to like, hey, how can you justify releasing exactly. this? It's, it's like, how can we fire him the fastest? And- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they didn't even bother doing that. Nicholas Sturgeon comes out and she's like, he, he behaved inappropriately and he has now quit. So you know, <laughs> that's so weak. So Mr. McKay said, uh, this is on the, this is yesterday, Thursday. He said, Mr. McKay said he'd behaved foolishly and uh, took full responsibility for his actions. Yeah. He probably um, just regrets being caught. He apologised unreservedly. And uh, yes, you're right, he's been suspended. I would imagine that he will resign as an S, uh, as a, uh, an SMP, MSP yeah, we'll get a shortly. Because yeah. as you say, more allegations are coming out of the woodwork and as well as other spin-off stories. For example, he was banned from drinking at SMB, SMP party events uh, because of his reputation yeah. with uh, younger men. But if I remember correctly, even up till like last year or two years ago, he was being chatted as front runner for carrying on up the pole of power yeah so he got to a pretty high place already and he was told he, he was being chatted up as like the next leader and stuff he was he was tipped as a, as a future first minister absolutely like whether that was actually official or not i can't remember but like the fact that like surely people within the media knew this surely people within the party knew this so surely we should have been trying to like get this guy out well for a very long time all of us you can you're allowed to be creepy Creepy is is not illegal. It's not illegal, yeah. And Alex Salmond is is an excellent example of this. His behaviour and the fact that he was a bully was well known. I knew that. I was a journalist. I didn't even work for him. I just knew people who had and knew he was unpleasant. Yeah. But he was the first minister. Yeah. And a la la Harvey Weinstein, it took a long time for people to come forward. And then when they did... Now's the beginning of the end for people like... Yeah. Sa- now, of course, the court will still determine that. However, the fact that the charges... He's facing 14 charges. That's coming up on the horizon. I believe this is just more of this Yeah. with Derek McKay. But you gotta, you got to remember that something doesn't have to be illegal to be immoral. Yeah. And also, technically, things don't have to be immoral to be illegal. But this is the other way around. Right now, you're talking about a bunch of people, and a particular one in this instance, that even if they're not breaking any laws are doing things that aren't moral and therefore shouldn't be in positions of leadership. Yes, exactly. The, okay. the question shouldn't be illegality for leadership positions. Like, that's really... It's the same thing that happened with the Tories. It's like, they, they go out of their way to try and break the laws and everyone's like, yeah, but it wasn't criminal. It was only civil. Okay. 
let's move on. Coronavirus update uh, as we go into uh, another month. We've entered another month of the virus. The doctor who raised the alarm about the coronavirus in the early days of the outbreak uh, has died. This is Dr. Li Wenliang. His death was confirmed by the Wuhan hospital where he was working to treat people who had the virus. He tried to send, he was only 34, he, he tried to send a message to fellow medics about the, uh, the outbreak at the end of December. And three days later, police visited him and told him to stop spreading panic. Yeah. He returned to work and caught the virus from a patient, and he'd been in hospital for at least the last three weeks. So now, um, I believe, I read this somewhere else, that the Chinese authorities have sent some anti-corruption police to investigate some more. Uh, whether they do anything with those findings is too early to say. Let's go over to what's actually been happening uh, in the rest of the world. Hong Kong has begun a mandatory two-week quarantine for anyone arriving from mainland China. This is a a, a fresh attempt to stop the spread of the virus. And there is also a cruise liner off the coast of Yokohama in Japan, where 67 people have been diagnosed with coronavirus after uh, an elderly man who was on the the cruise ship and uh, left uh, was then later diagnosed with coronavirus. They're now spending two weeks in their rooms on a cruise ship off the coast of Japan, which sounds horrendous. Yeah, hopefully, like, static cruise ship, not going elsewhere. So, Um, James, again, uh, summarise where we are. I've I've done you the news events there. You've done the big news. I would say, aside from China doing its usual, like, isolating the news to just within the borders to make the rest of the world think it's still a really, really, really good place, um, we're handling it as best as we can. The, The death rate is high, but not crazy high. Um, and it's proving to be treatable as well. So in Th- in Thailand, I believe there was a development in how to treat it, where they some scientists or some other smart people of some kind made a cocktail of of um, drugs in, into a vaccine, and it kind of it kind of worked. And it was with an old lady, and everybody knows that old people are the most most likely to die from flus. So quarantines are a great way to uh, isolate spread. And then people are finding ways to not just let the um, flu pass through the system, but to eradicate it in a, in the patient. So there's progress. There's hope. Hopefully it will be curtailed. You're, you're right in that the mortality rates, certainly in China, there's over 31,000 cases, has been over 31,000 cases and over 600 deaths. It's about one in yeah. 50. Yeah. Which is still terrible. It's awful. Um, but we're finding, we're finding treatment. We're finding um, ways to manage it. And we got to remember that it started off in China, um, where, where a lot of the hospitals are already at max capacity, where a lot of the hospitals are already out of resources. So it, it wasn't going to be the best place for this kind of thing to kick off and get treated immediately. Okay, let's move on. Let's take a, a sharp seesaw parade left-hand turn into some entertainment and movies. We're going to talk about uh, what we've been watching in just a minute. But first oh, of all... I forgot about that. First of all, my goodness, Fast and Furious 9. That's right. Then mishear me. Fast and Furious 9 has a trailer, and it is four minutes long. I know, right? Four okay. minutes is crazy long. Before we get into this monstrosity. Uh, let's play a short clip. No one outruns their past. I am more easy, you cry 
your best to become me. And mine just caught up to me. Been a long time, don't. So we're up against a master thief, assassin, high performance driver. Who is he? Jacob is Dom's brother. Right. James, I don't even know where to start with this. This is mind-boggling. And is back, boys. And also girls. And also people who identify as neither. Um, <laughs> Han's back. That's the only thing I care about. Wait, no, 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 well, hold on. <laughs> Han, done it again. The character Han, who was yeah. killed off yeah. two films ago, inexplicably turns up the big reveal is spoiled in the trailer. He, he, he was killed off like in third film. What? Was he not? It was Tokyo Drift he died in, was it not? I don't, I don't, maybe. I don't remember. I don't even remember anymore. No, he was, he was in other films and then Tokyo Drift was set later. Regardless, yeah, 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 why yeah, okay, okay. have you shown that in the trailer? Because <laughs> they learned their lessons from Star Wars about just like chuck your big reveal in the trailer right at, right at the end and everyone's going to watch your film. That's so stupid. Yeah, it's fine. I don't, I don't think they care anymore. They know that they could show the whole Every important point in the films, in the trailer, and everyone would still go and see these films because they're just on a different level. Yes, I agree with that. The, these films have different rules to, to what we expect in, in movies. <laughs> these have this, this film. And also the end, the title card. Let's talk about the title card. F9, The Fast Saga. Yeah, it's a saga now. Is that what it's, is that what it's called? Is that its official title, the F9? Fi- the, film, the film is called F9, and the next one's going to be called FX. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm into F5. Hit refresh. No, I, I really want... I still want the next one to be called Fast in Your Seatbelts. <laughs> like, so badly. <laughs> well, no, that will definitely be a slogan. But they slogan. can do that. They can, they, can, they can go to space. They can make it a space film. <laughs> it's like, the thing is, you're uh, not wrong. Because no, like, clearly, the laws of physics do not apply to these movies. Yeah, the brainstorming room for these scripts must be one of the most fun places to be. Because you can just say whatever you want. <laughs> And it might make it into the film. It's just mental. It's absolutely insane. The, the finale of this trailer, for example, when now you can go and see this yourself. It's the Invisible ah. Man drives off a cliff and gets picked up by a magnet plane. Well, that's, and then yeah, that's one. Mister Riddick drives off the cliff, but <laughs> drives into a rope uh-huh. on the way, and it is my, and then the rope saves them. The car essentially. I'm going to say abseils, or it swings. Swings. The car does a big swing. It drives straight off a cliff, just happens to go over a rope, and the car sails majestically through the air. But what they didn't show us is where the car is aiming for. I've got no idea what his goal is, so I want to find it's just out. Gonna, it's just going to smash into the side of a cliff, and they'll all die, and that's the end. But what, is he trying to, is he trying to like fling the car up? Somehow release the rope, which is magically attached to his wheel with some bits of metal, and then land on the plane or is he trying to land on the other side of the the the, the x bridge like i don't know what he's doing this whole everything about this trailer makes you ask questions <laughs> so it works there's a couple of other points a couple of other points they shot a lot of this in edinburgh there's a couple of nice shots of edinburgh yeah, which are yeah, very visible nice and very edinburgh. very obviously edinburgh yeah there is one one part in particular where john cena who is the big baddie in this uh, attacks <laughs> Vin Diesel. He's Vin's younger brother. Yeah, oh, goodness sake. And 
full on rugby tackles him off the top of what I, I want to say is the cow gate. Yeah. And it's what, a 20 or 30 metre drop? Uh huh. I'm going to imagine that when they get to the film, they'll just land with a thud and then they'll get back up and start fighting again. If you fell from that height, you are dead. You're absolutely dead. Or, or they land on a car. Or they, or they land on a. They land on a misplaced Perth bin lorry. <laughs> like, uh, no, in the trailer, it's very, it's, it shows them plummeting towards the tarmac. No, no these, these films haven't obeyed the rules of physics for a long time. People have been very near explosions that would have ripped them apart in real life. Right? <laughs> We've had characters die already and come back and the answer being, oh, I don't know how I survived. I just did. Just did. I just did. Han's going to come back. I'm like, I want to find out how he survived. And then it's going to, they're going to be like, oh, I thought you died in an explosion. He'll be like, nope. well, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. It was fine. She just got a mild third degree burn. I know this looks amazing. It just looks so dumb and so spectacular. I can't believe it. Because if you want to go bad, you have to go this bad, and then it works. There are cars being thrown at people by the way they're being crashed into. There's people standing on the side of a car, which is grinding along at its horizontal axis. There is just a giant lorry flying through the air upside down. How on earth that happens, I have no idea. Oh yeah, the, the lorry train. The lorry, the train of, of armoured cars does a front flip, and then Vin, Vin doesn't get landed on. Oh, and Sean's back. Not just Han. Sean made it too. Did he? Yeah, he was in for like half a second, I think, because he looks like a billion years older now, even though the film's like set a few days after Tokyo Drift. But I think he was there, just a balding high schooler. What I find most enjoyable about the fast saga, Fnine, as it's now being called, as we say, is the fact that with every film, they just have to add in more stuff because the previous film set the bar so high let's say the first film in this series the big finale was a quarter mile There's drag race between two and stealing some dvds fast cars yep no and stealing some dvd vhs players fast and too furious Combo was like players. some supercars against the police now nope. Fair enough. Yeah. And now in this film, we're defying the laws of gravity and we're smashing not just one car, but three cars at the same time. Whoa. But I feel like that's a step down from saving the world three times in a row. <laughs> I think they've, they've taken a step back into reality it's here. Just, this looks, and you're, this you're looks right. far more grounded than the previ- <laughs> previous film. Just, just to say, you're so right. They could have put anything in this trailer and this film will still make a billion dollars easy. At the box office. Yeah. Easily a, bo- a like, billion. The trailer is four minutes long because the entire film is things that are this cliche and exciting. <laughs> so they couldn't pick. Now, just uh, one final note. As much as I hated this trailer, it's undeniable that parts of it are spectacular. And it is why yeah. that up until this point, I have enjoyed the vast majority of the Fast and Furious films. Mm-hmm. For Fast and Furious 7, which I believe was the last one with Paul Walker, was a very good film. Fast Five is one of the best heist movies I've ever seen. Yeah. However... No, they're so fun to watch. That's the thing. It's totally... I'm totally okay with switching your brain off and enjoying this film. I'm sure it will be an entertaining film, but it's just ridiculous. Exactly. Right, James, I've seen three movies this week. What have you watched? And would you like to hear one of mine first? Uh, you go for it. Pick, pick, pick one at random. Right, I'm going to pick The Lighthouse. Oh, man, Because, yeah. my goodness, this is a film which we discussed several months ago because the trailer came out. We both loved it. This is Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson 
who are both on a rock farting a lot with a lighthouse and the film is black and white it is set in i want to say the 19th century so it's all Mm -hmm. shakespearean language its soundtrack is essentially an ongoing foghorn and it's Mm -hmm. it chronicles their descent into madness yeah this film is haunting it has stayed with me as soon as the credits finished I thought, I'm so glad that that's over. <laughs> yeah. But I mean that as a compliment. Like, yeah, I wanted yeah. to, I wanted it to be finished because it just was, like, creeping under my skin and made me feel very uncomfortable, but I still really, really enjoyed it. How William Defoe mm-hmm. has not been nominated for an Oscar for this is a travesty. He is magnificent. His beard is magnificent. The way <laughs> there is there is one... In fact, there's a handful of scenes, but there's one in particular where they're arguing about the fact that um, Willem Dafoe's character is cooking. is not very good. Right, yeah. And Robert Pattinson slags him off. And Willem Dafoe goes on a massive rant where he calls on the on Poseidon to fill uh-huh. Robert Pattinson's character with goo and have the octopuses eat his insides. Right, and yeah. he's going on this huge rant. And the way it's shot uh-huh. is stunning. It's just this, it's the lighting, it's the fact that the camera's pointing up underneath his, essentially underneath his chin. It makes him look terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like he is Neptune himself. It is, it is really quite something. Mm-hmm. The film is... <sighs> It's got the central aspect of it, which is the lighthouse itself. Willem Dafoe's character is very protective about the lighthouse itself. And Robert Pattinson's character, who is the the newbie, is not allowed into the lighthouse. But he keeps seeing things at night, which he's like, hmm, that is very strange. I want to go and see this light for myself. Right. I'm going to leave it there because anything else is a spoiler. Yeah. It is, it has to be seen to be believed because describing it just makes it sound terrible. It's two yeah. powerhouse performances. It is disturbing. It has stayed with me, and I I wanted it to be over. That being said, yeah. it is very good. I, like as far as I've heard, like the, this film is entirely something new. Like this is not an experience you're going to have had before. It is unlike anything I've ever seen. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, and I doubt it, I doubt anyone would want to try and make it again because it sounds like it got made as well as it possibly could have been. The only things I... The, yeah, the only things I didn't really like were the fact that some of the dialogue is a bit mumbled, but I get that perhaps that was what they were going for. It's an artistic choice. Yeah, and it, it lacks a story, but it makes that up in character, dialogue, and atmosphere. Yeah. Right. So I get that. That's that's cool. Yeah. Right, James, hit me with something. Uh, all right, well, hold on. Do you want to hear about a film or a TV show? Well, let's go for the TV show. I watched season three and season four of The Expanse. Hey, that's... Uh, yeah. Remind me what that is. Mars has been colonized. The, the asteroid ah. belt has been colonized. Moons have been colonized. Okay. Uh, and all the conflicts that come with that. The the human race has expanded and evolved past itself. If you've watched season three and four, it must have been good, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I liked season one and two a lot, and I thought, okay, that's probably it done now. If they tried to carry this on, it's not going to feel the same. It's going to feel a bit forced. And then they did two more seasons, and both of them were very different to what we'd previously had in the show, but very good. Um, very. It's kind of 
No, I don't think it's very anything. I'm going to say very political, but it just has political elements and it has drama elements and it has action elements. Okay. And it has sci-fi elements. It's a big mash of all kinds of things. Uh, but you end up liking a lot of the characters. You end up really um, engaging with the story and f- trying to figure out what's happening and what's going on. And it keeps coming up with new ways to give you a little bit of mystery to dig into. Uh, and I, I really want more seasons. Who Who is in the cast? Just remind me. I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't remember any of their names. Quite a lot of the Amazon, the Amazon specials, because Amazon always has the same cast in all its shows. But let's just have a quick look. You Google it too. There's Thomas Thomas Jane's in there. Yeah. He's a, he's a well-kent face. He is great in this. I, I didn't like him for about... 20 minutes and I realized what, what was going on and from then on I was like oh wait no no this is just brilliant yeah, the rest of them are all um, kind of known unknowns TV names there are uh, between unknowns and TV names um, and all of them are great all of them do exactly what they need to do in the, uh, to get the character done right There there's characters that are superhuman um, in terms of like just I'm not talking like Superman there is a Superman I guess but uh that's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> okay. Uh, like, what I mean is there's very human characters and then there's characters who have been desensitized to, to life in general and have deep struggles. Right. Um, and there's like the powerful political characters of all kinds. The bad guy is... Or the bad guys are generally just like what you'd expect from bad guys and the good guys are generally what you'd expect from good good guys. Mm-hmm. But that's not a weakness in this show because that's just what you want because you want to see where the story goes. Okay. It's a story show. Uh, recommended then? Highly recommended. Excellent. I'm, I'm not sure if it's like critically acclaimed. I got no idea. But that's not what I was looking for. I wanted a good lunchtime show and this was it. And it turned out to be a great lunchtime show. Fair enough. Right, I'm going to kick on with the other two things I've watched all Keep them brief this time. First one is the two popes. Uh, mainly, this is I watched this oh, yeah. mainly because Jonathan Price is nominated for a, an Oscar best best actor, I believe, yeah. for his role as uh, Father Bergoglio, who is the current Pope of the Catholic Church. And the the story of the two popes is Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins, who's the previous Pope uh, Joseph Ratzinger, and their discussions over the transition between Ratzinger's uh, resignation in 2013 and Bergoglio taking over. And the fact that Bergoglio is a a, a much more liberal pope Mm -hmm. who likes all the the things that are good and Ratzinger, who's a bit more of an old schooler. And of course, Anthony Hopkins um, chewing the scenery out of all the the villainy he can get from Joseph Ratzinger. Incredible guy. And and Jonathan Price is, is excellent. Both of them are excellent. Yeah. I would say it's, it's the kind of movie which you can have on in the background without having to focus too much on what's happening. It's very, I mean, as you would imagine, dialogue heavy. Right, but yeah. there are lots of moments of levity, which surprised me, actually. And Jonathan Price plays his Pope with real, real depth, real character. And he's got a nice wee backstory, too. Whether it's true or not, I have no idea. I would imagine it is. And because it is... A true story as well. You, you've got some real life footage intercut um, at the end and at the start. It is very well done. It's not something I'm going to rush out and watch again, if ever. However, for two excellent acting performances, yeah, two popes. Give it a shot. Fabulous. Okay, and then the other thing I watched, 
another <laughs> uh, buddy cop film, Bad Boys for Life. Oh yeah, you've you've done it. <sighs> wow. No, I went to, right. Hold on. I went to see this film because the reviews had been okay. Oh. And it had made a lot of money. I didn't check. But actually, I'm going against the critical consensus here because I just did not care for this film at all. This is Will Smith and Martin Lawrence reprising their roles from their 90... I want to say 95 original... 60-something. Right. It's so old. Yeah, it's 96. Bad Boys, uh, the first one. And then it was Bad Boys 2, which is early 2000s. They've come back in 2020, where both of them are very old. And Will Smith's character is uh, still single and still wants to be the hero, whereas Martin Lawrence, predictable, has uh, a wife and kids and is all settled down. And of course... And wants him to retire now, please. Yes, he wants to retire. And of course, they have to get together for one last hurrah. It is a ridiculous film, but not in the good Fast and Furious sense. It's just silly. It's just daft. Right. Yeah. They also have, and this is one thing I could not understand, and we, we get into the, the real detail of actors and agents. Vanessa Hudgens, who you may recall was in High School Musical, has a mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very much a bit part in this film. She's a supporting <laughs> character, not even a secondary character. Right. And yet she's the third build person. After Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, ah. she's next on the bill, despite not even being, I'd say, maybe the 10th most important character. That's how you- that's how you sell some tickets. Oh, absolutely. Just get someone from High School Musical and put them in a, a, a very Do you know vague... this name? Buy this ticket. I don't even know her, her character's name. That's how unimportant she was. Anyway, the film itself is... It's fine. It's it's just fine. It's Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Uh, wise cracking. I can count on one hand, maybe a few fingers, the amount of laughs this film got out of me. I think I maybe chuckled more <laughs> at the two popes than I did <laughs> Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> And the act, like the action's fine. It's a bit more, I want to say, a bit gorier than I was expecting. I believe it has it's to a be. fifteen. It has to be these days. Maybe will be a fifteen. Yeah. And uh, gore is back. And it's oh, it's just it's a silly film. It's silly, but not in the good silly. It's just silly, silly. <laughs> That's my uh, critical consensus. Not good silly. All right. Silly, silly. Oh, well. Okay, James. I don't think that sounds like a recommendation. No, no, no. I wouldn't recommend that at all. Unless, no. you're a, unless you're a really big Will Smith fan, and even then, it's not even close to his best stuff. James, what was the other thing you've seen before we move on? I watched an anime film. Oh, what? James I'm, watched an anime. Incredible. I'm so many. This, I watched this at Christmas time, by the way. We're getting back through the list very slowly. Okay. Um, right. I, I watched me. Princess Mononoke, which you may have actually heard of, because it's one of the classics by now. Uh-huh. And that that gives it's still a classic. Can confirm. It's a it's a really beautifully done Studio Ghibli film, as you'd expect from what is probably the most well um, known um, anime film house in the West. Um, it's kind of a story about nature and industry, and about humans experiencing both of these things. Um, and it follows a story of a of a of a kid who's had an encounter with a a cursed beast and is trying to get to the bottom of it to get rid of curses and whatnot um but it, it, it it's just really nice they just do a really good job and it's intriguing and it, and you like the characters and the sound design is great because the sound design isn't isn't western it's very interesting sound design is always interesting i like it um and if you haven't seen princess maranoke and the other somewhat classics we're talking about not super old films like nineties, two thousands. Okay, um, you should absolutely see them. S- some of them were 
so approachable that even children in America enjoyed them. Wait, what? And even children in the United Kingdom enjoyed them, and the characters became pop culture icons. Wait, I'm lost at that last bit. No, genuinely, like my Totoro, my neighbor Totoro with the the big the big cuddly thing from that. Like, oh yeah, huge big toy line. People have that all over the place. They don't know where it's from, but everybody knows it. Oh, fair enough. Go watch the go watch the Ghibli films, everybody. They're great. Watch them with subtitles, though. Sometimes the dubbing's real bad because <laughs> it gets done poorly by people who don't care about the films. Nice. Okay, before we uh, wrap up, let's hit some quick-fire news. Uh, here's Indiana Jones 5. Because, hey, yes, the, the continuation of a franchise that nobody asked for. I'm anticipating it so much. Uh, Lucasfilm's Kathleen Kennedy has confirmed that the fifth film will not be a reboot, which I imagine then means it's just going to be a continuation. It's going to be Harrison Ford, even older. It's going to be what Kathleen's done with Star Wars and passing the gauntlet. Yeah, she she, uh, she does new, say... Which they tried to do in the previous film, <laughs> which didn't work. She does say it's a continuation and that Ford can't wait to get started he, on the what he can't wait, What he can't wait to do is retire the character. <laughs> exactly. That's why he couldn't wait for Star Wars. That's why he can't wait for all these, because he'll stop getting asked to do them again. He can't wait to put this character to sleep permanently. Pretty sure the first, the first Indiana Jones was, I want to say, 40 years ago. Maybe older? They're, they're a long time ago now. Oh, mine. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about the Oscars. They're happening this Sunday. Oh, oh I yeah. have now seen the majority of the movies. However, there are a couple, one being Parasite, that uh, I'm yeah. yet to see. I am hopeful of seeing Parasite this weekend, but we'll see. Oh, all right. Nice. Best picture. I'm expecting 1917 to win. All right. I don't think it should. I think it's a good film. It's not the best film. The Irishman should win it. Absolutely, Irishman. I would or, be amazed if it does, though. Or Parasite, just because. Yeah, again, like Parasite, I'm unable to comment because I've not seen it. We can't comment, it. but like dreams. Dreams do oh, come true. Yeah. I'd still, I'd love it for it to win. Much like Alfonso Cuaron's uh, Roma last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was a foreign language winner. Yeah. So, yeah, who knows? Too early to say. Who knows? Uh, best director, I fully expect Bong Joon-ho will win there because best director is a bit less contentious than giving uh, best film or best picture to a foreign language film uh, filmmaker. So I, I could see Bong Joon-ho getting that one. I generally have absolutely no predictions because every year I care about the Oscars less and less. Okay. I just care about uh, enjoying the films for myself. Best actor, Joaquin Phoenix, will win that for Joker. He's won basically everything. He really has. And his speeches and- are being well-received. He's, yeah, he's doing some good speeches. Uh, the thing is, as much as Joker was was fine, and Joaquin Phoenix was the best thing about that film, mm-hmm. and so I can totally get, yeah, best actor, fair enough. I do yeah. think there were other very good performances, but that, I'm okay with that. Yeah, best uh, actor doesn't necessarily mean best film. Like, that's allowable. Yeah, exactly. Best actress, Renee Zellweger for Judy, as Judy Garland. Now, I did not see this. This came out last summer. Totally missed it, so I'm unable to comment on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we'll move swiftly on, but that's certainly who uh, Moving the critics swiftly believe. on, not because we don't care about women, but because we didn't see the film. That yeah, it's going to win it. Um, best supporting actor, ooh, Brad Pitt, I imagine, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because stuntmen are cool. He is very good. I, I think Brad Pitt's excellent. Joe Pesci has a shout, just because he's Joe Pesci. Yeah, that, again, yeah, stuntmen and Joe Pesci are cool. Uh, Kathy Bates is tipped to win Best Supporting Actress for Richard Jewell, which I'm going to see tomorrow. That is the true story about uh, the uh, American police officer who called in a bomb, a bomb threat, and was then believed to be the suspect himself. Oh, yeah. 
the true story. Kathy mm-hmm. Bates playing the, the, the officer's mother. I, I, su- I suspect she'll win, but Laura Dern for Marriage Story, again, contender. Could see it going either way. All She's right. very good in Marriage Story. Uh, and that's a, that's about it. You've got Parasite for Best Original Screenplay, maybe. Uh, and sh- it will definitely win Best we Foreign got, Language Film. And we got JoJo's for Best Adapted Screenplay. Jo- yeah, JoJo will get that. And uh, cinematography, nineteen seventeen. That's that seems to be a, a clear winner for everybody. That yeah, that yeah. They tried really hard to get yes, that award. Okay, let's move on. Philip Schofield has come out as gay after right. twenty seven years of marriage yeah. to his wife. Uh, he's announced on ITV uh, this morning uh, that actually, yeah, he's gay, which is yeah. which is great. I'm very pleased for him. Yeah, I don't mean to sound out of touch with UK pop culture personalities uk tv personalities but i i did not know he was married i assumed that he was gay oh so so did i (laughs) so the news for me in this story was that he was married and had a family in which like which made my heart be like wow well yeah i hope they're all doing well with this then yeah that's a huge thing to process as a family and he talked about that and he said his family have been all supportive and they love him for it, which is great. That's the main yeah. thing I'm thinking about. Like, is that's, a, that's, a, that's an incredible side of it, is like getting the support for these kinds of things. But I was surprised to hear that this was news. He's he's 57. And yeah. so I am, you know, I, I feel certainly from my own perspective, almost fortunate that from I've managed to kind of overcome most of those hurdles, still some to go. Yeah. At a much younger age, and even yeah. though even at that point, I still felt like I was behind the times. So I can only feel empathy for Mr. Oh, Schofield. Huge amounts of empathy, like the the processing he's had to go through, probably huge stages of denial and or trying to oh, yeah. fake things and stuff like that. Like good on him for for taking the steps required to get to a good brain place. Uh, before we finish up, a couple more, and we're going to take another sharp uh, left hand turn here, Russia have uh, been doing some killing again. There there, there they go, killing people in foreign soil, just yeah, like some Russians love to do. State assassinations and stories you may have missed. Uh, this is an anti-Putin blogger, Imran Aliyev, who was a Chechen, was found dead in a French hotel with his throat cut. Yeah. Charming. He lived in Belgium, or he was in Belgium, and when he was in Belgium, he had police protection because yep. he had death threats, but somehow he didn't get that in France, I think. I'm not sure. 44-year-old was a vocal critic of Putin and the Chechen leader Ramzan Kadrov, yeah. and uh, French police certainly believe that the killing was politically motivated. You don't say. It would be it would be one of those like coincidences that we hear about a suspicious amount of time if it wasn't politically motivated. But then again, we hear about those coincidences so often. People just like get killed when they're political activists, but it's just not political somehow. I I definitely believe that. Well, yeah, we yes, we we are very convinced of very convinced of this. The final news before we give you some chance to get in touch is oh. the fact that Brexit has happened. And you know what? I woke up and my wealth had increased tenfold. <laughs> really, sovereignty has brought my wallet expansion. <laughs> James, it's, again, just give me some thoughts on this. I mean, Brexit hasn't has just begun. Let's be honest. This transition period has commenced, and by the end of the year, Brexit may have occurred. (laughs) Having the big bongs on the big Brexit day didn't do do nothing. It just made it official that we're still going to aim to do a thing. 
Nothing happened. We're gonna you, we're gonna see what kind of deal we get over the next year, and it's gonna be no deal because that's what Gove is accidentally saying all the time when nobody wants him to actually say it. Yeah. Uh, the, the 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 biggest takeaway I've got here is, uh, and this is just from a couple of days ago, uh, the British pound uh, is the worst performing major currency since the UK left the EU. Oh. Cue surprise from nobody. Wow. It, uh, Actually, to be fair, I was, I'm was i a wee bit surprised because I thought businesses would be all over some level of stability. No, it uh, dropped to $1.29, uh, which was its lowest level in a long time. Yeah, and let's burn also them now EU flags now to celebrate. Uh, €1.17 yeah. to the pound as well, which now, is much worse than it had been in a long time. Which is also super, super low. Um, the other silver lining, as I did mention one, potentially not cut out at the start of the episode is that potentially now we're looking to a future where Tory governments and Tory Labour governments cannot just blame the EU whenever things go wrong and especially things go wrong that is their fault maybe because again I reckon the government is smart enough and people are dumb enough to let that still happen the government will still blame the EU when Britain does poorly at stuff. Well, yeah. And people will still be like, oh, wow, that's how evil of the EU to do that. And we're, we're also at the stage where Brexit, okay, Brexit Day has happened, but we're still in, just life is just going to continue until at least the end of this year because they've got all the negotiations to hammer out yeah. before the end of 2020. Yeah. But, so nothing really changes at but this point. Potential silver lining, we might see people actually hold the government accountable in the foreseeable future. Uh, again, as I said at the start of the episode, James, don't hold your chickens before they hatch. That's not the I'm phrase. I'm just trying to be optimistic, Colin. I, I've been trying trying so hard to find reasons to be optimistic. It's well, re- it's, it's important to try. As much as our training with Pink Elephant always focuses on the positives, there's very few with Brexit. Like I said, socialism might happen now. Yay! Social parade. Welcome. Okay, James, uh, time has ended. Let people know how they get in touch. And please, please do. We'd love to hear from you. Please, please email us in long form reasons to be optimistic about Brexit. Um, if if your reason is going to be like um, religious freedom, then you're forgetting that Europe is the only place that has been actually making that happen in court and we're the bad ones at that so don't email me that one but if you've got any other ones email brexitpositivity to seesawparade at gmail.com if you want to tell us that we are wrong in short form about any of the stuff we talked about tweet us at seesawparade and if you just want to send Colin a selfie or a picture of your gunky pop shield uh, (laughs) snapchat seesawparade Right, James, it's been a pleasure, but time has gone. Thank you very much. I'll see you next week, next Thursday. Absolutely. Cheers. And and goodbye, listeners. And goodbye, creepy politicians. Yeah. Yeah. They're never going to go away. <laughs>